0: He charged me with resisting arrest.
1: Get that confidence in jail. I object. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Allegedly Bravo. I'm your host, Lauren Peavy House. We have a very special episode today. Today, we're being briefed on data and privacy and bots and everything technological. It's going to be so fun, you guys. Everybody gather around. It's going to be a blast. Um, So I have an expert with me who will be teaching us all about bots, Jen Shaw's job, like how she serves the Neiman Marcus ads, etc. And our expert is Constantine Kokonos. And Constantine Kokonos isn't just like a little intern for Ticketmaster or Facebook or whatever. He's a senior data engineer at Stack Overflow. Constantine has worked in the tech industry for over 10 years, working for his first startup right out of high school. He is a leading expert in data engineering and has given sold-out lectures at various tech conventions across America. While Constantine is the most brilliant man I've ever met in my whole entire life, he is very unlearned in pop culture or pop culture adjacent little thingy-majiggers. So, basically, that's who you are. Is that correct?
0: That's who I am.
1: (laughs) Thank you for being here today.
0: No, I appreciate the invite. It's very nice of you to invite me here.
1: Yeah. Thanks for coming. Okay, so... We have a lot going on here in the Housewives world, and I don't know how much you necessarily know about these women. I'm guessing not too much.
0: Very little, yeah, I would say.
1: Okay, very little. So, but are you aware of a woman named Diana Jenkins?
0: I may have heard the name, but you'll have to remind me.
1: Okay, so we, all of us who are listening to this, watch this show called Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, there's this lady who's, like, always licking her lips, like... (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. And she's, like, a huge billionaire, allegedly, and she started this water brand called, like, Neuro Smart Water.
0: Okay. I've heard of Smart Water, yeah. Yeah.
1: And she's, like, all into, like, being best friends with Elton John. Okay. So that's, like... Seems like
0: a fun person to be a best friend with. You
1: would think. Yeah. But she's fucking crazy. Hmm. So, allegedly... So, and then there's a woman named Garcelle. Did I... Yeah,
0: we've talked about we've Garcelle. We've talked about Garcelle. That's the Pearl, right?
1: No, that's Dorit.
0: Oh, that's Dorit. Yeah. Which one's Garcelle, then?
1: Garcelle is the one who's, like, actually too good for the show. Who's, like, oh, been yes. in... Oh, yeah. yes. Who I
0: actually know about in real life because she's yeah. a great actress. Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, okay. So, so Garcelle... Um, Outside of the show and on social media, Garcelle and her son got attacked by bots in mm. their comment section. Sure. And in these comment sections, these bots are saying like horrific racist things that we just won't repeat because there's no reason to. And um, basically, the bots, though, were the thing we will say about them is they were referencing. to, in the comments to the son, your mom needs to be nicer to Diana Jenkins or Erica Girardi.
0: Sure.
1: So everyone started thinking, well, obviously Diana bought these bots to harass the this poor kid.
0: Sure.
1: Um, then Diana Jenkins ended up filing a lawsuit to be like, I'm going to find out who sent the bots.
0: Sure. She doesn't like her reputation being tarnished. Right. Even if she did do it.
1: Even if she did do it. Sure. So I guess my question for you is, when you purchase a bot, like, is it just some, like, computer that, like a man on a computer, a woman on a computer who's like, your mom is me?
0: <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's possible. Uh, in general, when you go to buy bots, it's just like going to the supermarket. Mm -hmm. there's many different variations and they all might serve different needs you can buy canned chicken you probably don't want to unless you have a very you know specific recipe in mind Mm -hmm. and so when you're buying bots you could literally pay a 14 year old to be mean to someone on the internet you know they're cheap yeah um but most of the time what's happening is kind of multi-fold one is You need a lot of connections to social media and Mm -hmm. Facebook or Twitter, Twitter less so, but all of the big ones don't want bot traffic. And so you have to circumvent the the rules and like blockers that they have. So a common one is like a CAPTCHA. Uh If you ever go to a website and sign up and it says, click all the things that don't look like a tractor Mm -hmm. or, you know, find all of this or which one has the red light or type the word, all of those are anti-computer programs. They are made to be easy, quote-unquote, for humans and really, really hard for computers. And so oftentimes a botnet owner Mm -hmm. will have humans in some part of the loop. They will have humans solving CAPTCHAs, and people literally offer that as a service. And then they'll have maybe even cell phone numbers that used to be used or discarded cell phones with SIM cards to register these accounts but then they switch over to the computer program and they say okay what's the general theme of what we want to do and you could literally and you shouldn't google you know botnet services and you can buy them and they are illegal and they are criminal acts Mm. so don't do that this is not a recommendation right to this, do is a against, this
1: is the warning against this is legal advice don't this, fucking do that
0: don't do that okay. it's, it's a bad idea it is completely legal to leave nasty comments though you know libel and slander do exist mm-hmm. but um it's going to be a definite terms of service violation if you buy these bots and in some cases the owners of the websites can make a claim that you're actively harming or destroying their infrastructure and their brand so you can be sued for that. Um, there's, it's just a bad idea in general. So,
1: so can you find out, like from from the comments and everything? Is there a way to go back and see who is the purchaser or supplier of these bots?
0: Unless they're really stupid on the content, no. But the website owner can see where did all these comments come from from the IP addresses. They're basically the number that identifies you. If you've ever heard of someone say, "What's your IP?" Mm -hmm. and that does, for a time, point back to the specific device. But with the way networks are are set up these days, you can hide behind all sorts of things to pretend you're a different person. Um, And so this kind of traffic analysis, Mm -hmm. is what they call it, uh, is done by security researchers, um, network operators, because if all of a sudden they see hundreds of thousands of things coming in, this could actually not be good for their particular pipe that they're traveling through. They can see, oh, you're sending so much data down this lane that we don't like it. And network operators often will work against bot operators. Um, Comments are a little bit different because they're more like, we want to get through. We don't want to spam Facebook as much as we want to put 100,000 comments on. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're DDoSing, you know, Stack Overflow. What's
1: DDoSing?
0: Oh, sorry. Um, if you're running a botnet, you know, in the old days, if you're just uh, one person calling someone's phone so they can't get any phone calls, uh-huh. that would be called a denial of service attack. You're Oh, doing, you're
1: like plugging up their phone line. You're
0: plugging up their phone line, exactly. Oof. You could go to someone's... Rude as fuck. Yeah. If you went, you know, you went to Taco Bell and then went to someone's house, you could do a denial of uh, toilet line or something mm-hmm. like that. But... A dis- That's gross. Yes. <laughs> um, but a distributed denial of service attack means, you know, what if you called 20 friends and said, all of you call this person's house at the same time? Mm-hmm. Again, don't do that. Don't do that. That's crimes again.
1: Here's legal advice. <laughs> don't do that.
0: <laughs> but um, in a botnet, it oftentimes, instead of just saying rude things, mm-hmm. what you want to do is kick someone off the internet entirely and say, you don't get to be here I am gonna suppress your speech. Mm. Um, and so yeah, it's it's flooding the line mm. effectively. Um so yeah, that's the really the bad, bad one. Rude comments are more or like posting as fake people to boost up things is more subtle type of manipulation.
1: So can you so another thing with these IP addresses, yeah. is it easy to find out like based on what someone's username is, like what their IP address is? Or how no. do you f- connect them?
0: It's, it's not easy for uh, someone at home. So if I run a website mm-hmm. and you connect to my website mm-hmm. and then you sign up an account, I will know this IP connects to this account. Mm-hmm. And that's still something that is temporary and ephemeral. It's not um, your IP address for most home gamers will change on a regular basis. Oh. And so Comcast actually, like say that you have a big service provider, very well-known Comcast, um, they have a pool uh-huh. that they rent out and they eventually rotate at home. So when you have like your home network all of a sudden die in the middle of the night, that's probably because they're giving you a new IP address or refreshing your connection. Oh. So that IP only identifies that location, not person, the location for a certain span of time. So even if you're the operator of the website, what you really know is there's probably someone within 500 meters or so of that location Mm -hmm. who did the thing because Comcast and the big ISPs actually publish what's the general location of the IP address, but they generally won't say like, oh, this is, you know, Lauren's IP.
1: So because there was an issue that I'm remembering from Twitter where like, Somebody made a fake Twitter and was being rude. And it turns out it was Lisa Rinna who made the fake Twitter. And the way they found out was by looking at her IP address and tracing it back to her physical address.
0: Sure.
1: And um, I'm like, how on earth did like normies get this information?
0: So uh, the answer isn't by looking at Twitter, but it's probably by linking something. So, if you click a link, like, say you're a bot account, right? Uh And I'm trying to unmask the real you. Yeah, who am I? Who are you? Well, say I start a conversation with you. And we're talking about something. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I really love this blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I give you a bit.ly link or, like, a link uh, shortener Uh or, really, any website I own. As soon as you clicked it, the game is over. I have your IP address. I know where you are. And... I assume, I wasn't familiar with this situation, that people had suspicions it was this person. They did. Exactly. And so that IP address did not uniquely identify her, but it probably put her within, uh, you know, a half mile of her house and everyone went, duh. Yeah, this is... <laughs>
1: that's kind of what happened. It like yeah. literally was like her street. Yeah,
0: it, exactly. Yeah. So <sighs> this is very common. If you're trying to be a privacy oriented individual... Mm-hmm. You can't go to anyone's website who might be controlled by someone you don't like. because So they you just say, know like,
1: you me, if I really wanted to protect my privacy, I shouldn't just go on, like, my mortal enemies, like, LinkedIn? Or website, like, like what do you mean?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and it, it kind of, there's many layers to the onion on being private online. Yeah. But uh, any link you click... Your browser is executing code that the other person gave you. Okay. And so people are not to be trusted.
1: Don't You're, trust anybody ever. Yeah, that's, that's life advice. That's very
0: good advice. And on the internet, frankly, people are monsters. They mm-hmm. don't have any empathy or mm-hmm. control. They just, like, build things to exploit. <clears throat> and so when you go to that person's website, they can enumerate your IP address they can learn about your browser and they can fingerprint it. Wow. They can put cookies in there that will actually stay forever.
1: Oh my gosh, so that's what happens when it pops up like do you accept these cookies?
0: Um sort of. Okay. So
1: Sorry, tangent. That's that all right. a tangent. It
0: is a tangent. We can talk about it, but cookie consent banners <clears throat> are not the same as cookies being created. Cookies are created regardless of your consent. Okay. The banner is to make it legal.
1: Oh, okay. So
0: the EU passed the GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation, which is basically like the big gorilla of privacy laws right now. Uh And that says you need to get consent from people to steal their data.
1: That's nice of them to put that into writing.
0: Yes. Um, And, well, not just put it into writing, but also put it into enforcement Um, there is a percentage of revenue taken away instead of percentage of profit. So even if you're running a scam business and pretending like you're not making a dime, they'll just take away the money that you're earning in general. Good. Um, so yeah, it has a lot of teeth. Um, but back to cookies for a second or back to like privacy in general, um, Web browsers give the owner and operator of the website a lot of information about you. Uh And data brokers, people who collect such information, literally go to other websites and say, I'd like to buy your information about all of your users. Uh Not because it's particularly interesting for me, but it's because I'll be able to connect it with my hundred other data sources and I'll be able to say, this is the profile of this person across everything. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, if you knew Lisa rena 's IP address, you could probably go to a data broker and say, tell me the websites that this person visits. Tell me their interests. Tell me, like, if you go to Equifax and you look at that stuff, you could probably look at every single dollar she's ever made, oh my every God. job she's worked at. That's every, horrible. That's the nature of the beast right I mean,
1: I'd rather someone look at my underwear drawer.
0: They might have pictures of that, too.
1: Oh, my God. Okay, well, speaking of data broker, like, I need you to watch this. I was going to move on to Twitter. Sure. But I'm not going to anymore because sure. of what you just said. Now I need you to watch this video of okay. Jen Shaw. You're familiar with Jen Shaw, yes or yeah, no? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you said data broker, and that's what kind of triggered yeah. this video remember memory for me because... I was remembering, she was talking about how she's the person, the Wizard of Oz, quote unquote, behind when you see an ad for Neiman Marcus, why you're getting the ad for Neiman
0: Marcus. Sure, personalization. So,
1: I'm going to play the video for you, and then tell me your professional thoughts. Sure. Marketing companies, and we do lead generation, data monetization. So, it's customer acquisition. I'm basically... The best way to describe it is I'm the wizard of Oz. I'm like the one behind the curtain that nobody knows exists, but I'm the one making everything happen. So when ads are popping to you guys, when you're like, how the hell do they know I'm shopping at Neiman Marcus, that's me. And if you think about it, do you you know how much traffic is on the internet every second? All the people clicking, I'm making money on every click. Every time you click on anything, I'm getting some money. Okay, so what the fuck is she talking about whenever I click on something, she makes money and she knows I shop at Neiman Marcus? Like, what is she talking about?
0: Well, I don't know the scope of her actual business, obviously, but this kind of goes into the topic of lead generation. Yep. And lead generation is a very generic term that means I need to funnel customers to this person. Okay. And if I can provably funnel them, I can show you I did it and you believe me, I get paid. Mm-hmm. And so what Jen Shaw is saying is, and there's very legal and normal parts of this, and there's also illegal and bad parts of this. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying she did either. I don't know about her specific situation, but if you she think... She did
1: the bad one and admitted right. to it.
0: Oh, right. I, okay. No, I mean, obviously she's a criminal Everyone we talk about. Here's allegedly <laughs> a criminal, right? <laughs> yeah. But... <clears throat> On the good side, you have things like uh, basic advertising. You know, you tell people I use this thing, people agree with you because you have a good reputation, Mm -hmm. you sell the thing. That's lead generation. You're like, hey, my audience is interested in these things, I will funnel them over here. The bad kind is things like uh, cookie stuffing. So um, cookie stuffing means you go to a website mm-hmm. and you're going to like, you know, mamascookies.com or something. That's probably a real website. I have no right. interest in that website. Not sponsored. Not sponsored, so. <laughs> um, but they, they know that some amount of their people are going to go buy stuff on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Amazon is a very common target for this kind of thing because lots of people use it. And so instead of putting their cookie of, hey, I'm Mom's Cookies and remember your login or Mm. whatever, they say, oh, we're the referral link for the Amazon good. Mm. And so they actually are basically putting a line in your browser to misattribute their website to what you buy.
1: So when you said, like, if you click the link and then that's how they found out how... It was Lisa Rinna's IP address. Yeah. The link is what Jennifer provides.
0: So that might not even be true with cookie oh. stuffing. That's the crazy thing. So in the in marketing on the internet, <clears throat> there's all sorts of like what is shady and not what's shady. And that's not necessarily my expertise. Mm-hmm. But in general, if you provided a link to an Amazon good mm-hmm. and then someone bought it, that would not be misattribution. That right. Would be attribution. Some,
1: some people make money that way. That,
0: that is a perfectly legal and encouraged way. Yeah. You know, Amazon says you can sign up as a partner and, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and that's okay. The important thing is that what if you went to someone's website, you never clicked any of those links, mm-hmm. and then later you went to Amazon and you bought one of them. With cookie stuffing, they could attribute that purchase to them even though they did not cause it oh so fundamentally they're getting the benefit of doing stealing they're just
1: sneaking in there they're
0: sneaking in and they're it's kind of like if you've ever had a shady salesperson where there's you know actual commission involved and they run over and put their sticker on top of someone else's sticker right Mm -hmm. at the last second yeah that's basically what's happening with cookie stuffing except they can put the sticker in ahead of time and it just lives with you and then it's applied when you actually buy it that's why it's it's illegal and this has caused a lot of changes in web browsers to try to prevent that kind of stuff and the gdpr privacy laws literally from this kind of stuff um for instance a lot of people are sad that adobe flash died there was lots of fun flash games there was lots of like interesting uses of it that's Um, when
1: it was like you're flash players out of whatever you're out of date yeah Yeah. or
0: slap the monkey to win a free prize (laughs) But Flash famously allowed uh, the type of cookie stuffing that no one could deal with. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest security holes was any advertiser could use Flash to track you across the whole internet forever. I mean, until you got a new computer or reinstalled your whole operating system level stuff. Wow. So there's a big reason why we, Deprecate, we said Flash is dead. It's because... It's dangerous. We
1: had to kill it.
0: it, It had to die. It lives in the
1: bottom of the ocean with Saddam Hussein.
0: It actually still exists, crazily enough, but only in special context. Some animators really love it, and it works great for them, but they don't send it to the internet in Flash. They send movies and other things, Mm. and you enjoy your funny... They're
1: not using it to be malicious. They're using it as a tool for themselves.
0: Well, yeah. It's more like, you know, if you have a knife, don't give everyone the knife, but if you want to use it in your (laughs) kitchen and you're the chef, that's okay. Yeah. That's what they're basically doing, is we get the results. They use the tool that could be dangerous.
1: I, can we move to Twitter? Please. Okay. This is your so, podcast. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. This <laughs> is my podcast. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, I have a question about Twitter.
0: Okay. A lot of people do. Yeah.
1: Because, so my understanding is, like, Elon Musk was going to buy Twitter. Mm-hmm. This is the first history of it, right? He mm-hmm. was like, I'm going to buy Twitter. And then they entered into the agreement. And then, like, during the, like, auditing process, mm-hmm. he was... Wasn't he like, this is bullshit, like, this isn't worth as much as you say, and driving down the market costs?
0: Well, uh, it's pretty close. I mean, to my understanding of events, I'm not also the finance person as much, but uh, I think the important things to call out there are, he did make an offer initially, the offer was three times as much as Twitter was worth at the best case scenario, Uh and... Once he made that offer to a public company, it sets in certain things in motion and he basically became responsible in some ways for not tanking Twitter stock price. Right. And so then he came with accusations that, look, there's all these bots. I don't want to do this anymore. When it was pretty clear to everyone on the outside that it was all just a game Uh and he was trying to play around, but the SEC don't play no games like that. If you are an operator of a public company and you personally tank the value of it, uh, they don't like look at that as, you know, this is a natural depression in the price. Right. Um, and Twitter basically said, you need to buy it at your the original price because you said a bunch of stuff that made us look bad and lost billions of dollars on our uh, stock value. And that's like on door. you. Yeah. yeah. And that's like on the future owner who was then forced to buy it. And is pretending now that he wanted it the entire time.
1: So then when he bought it, then I, if I'm remembering the history of events correctly, he bought the company and then he was like, oh, you know what we don't need is like passwords or something. And he started like getting rid of different like.
0: Sort of, yeah. Um, groups of
1: engineers he, or whatever.
0: He definitely. So It the meta context is if you were buying a company like Twitter. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, is not a pro Elon statement, but it's. It was always clear that Twitter had too many engineers on staff, and they weren't really building a, a hugely profitable product. Like they weren't growing by leaps and bounds still, and they. It was uh, published that like Elon was talking uh, to Jack Dorsey, the previous uh, owner of Twitter, and basically said, you know, hey, if we cut a significant portion of the staff. We could be profitable. Like, this yeah. could just make us money. Not nearly $44 billion or whatever, but money. Uh-huh. And um, so I think a lot of the whole Elonness of it is smokescreen for just normal buy a company, cut staff. Mm,
1: we care because it's Elon Musk. Yeah. People
0: yeah. just, well, they think it's special or something. But um, the stupid thing and the thing that made no sense from the, what you were mentioning about turning things off no one um, specifically turned off passwords. What happened, supposedly, that we saw from the outside is... Uh, Elon said, we don't need a bunch of these services. These uh-huh. pieces of the puzzle. And so, you know, you can imagine, like, you have a house. you And in the digital world, you know, all the things, your door, your lock, are really computers, programs, and people to run them. Mm-hmm. And you need a pretty complex lock to run Twitter. So the thing that broke was 2FA or multiple ways of authenticating. Mm. And that broke because when they were turning off all these services that quote unquote didn't matter, one of the primary ways to securely log into a website got turned off. Mm. And there was a, a bunch of other tweets about, oh, you know, Twitter has all this useless, whatever. I would ignore that in general. Like, what Elon Musk says, in many cases, is a scam. You yeah. know, his truck has been a scam, his robot is a scam, Neuralink's going to be a scam.
1: What's a Neuralink?
0: Uh, oh, Elon Musk is uh, saying that he wants to create the interface between computers and the brain. No. Which is a classic sci-fi and, like, medical um, interest. Like That's we, scary. We do want that, to be fair. Are, I don't
1: want that in my brain.
0: Well, that's fair. You get to choose. Okay. But so for instance... My there's, body, my choice. Exactly. We support choice in this house. Mm-hmm. Um, but in many cases, there's many diseases that would be directly helped mm-hmm. by stimulations of the brain. And so, you know, like epilepsy is a great example or um, Parkinson's disease or potentially things like ALS. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's many also like neurological diseases that are less obvious, like depression Mm -hmm. um it's very very promising to see like we could potentially cure that in real time because it's not something that you can just magically fix it's parts of the brain behaving different ways at different times
1: oh interesting so he thinks he could put a computer in there
0: he thinks he could put a computer in there and what he's actually done is like killed a lot of lab animals oh
1: that's sad
0: it is sad um you know and, and the truth is like Animal testing is a controversial topic. Um, most medical advances get through animal testing. Like, otherwise we have to kill people.
1: Oh, my God. Well, I'm sad now. About I'm sorry. Bad. Well, let's, let's skip the part about the yeah. part where Elon on. Musk kills innocent animals. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> Did everyone get that? Elon Musk is an animal killer. Um, but I was going to say, back to Twitter. Yeah. And um, everyone, like, quit their job. Yeah. What the fuck? How, is, how are we still tweeting if no one works there?
0: So that's the other part. Back to the house analogy. Mm-hmm. The engineers, and any engineer who's building code, doesn't want to build code that falls down quickly and fails from common scenarios. Mm-hmm. So when you're writing the code, you actually write in how to manage failure. And if you're really good, you can actually build systems that can handle duress and load and scale In different ways. And Twitter was quite famous early on for having the quote-unquote fail whale Uh come up, which was Twitter's under too much load, we failed, we're sorry, here's a picture of a cute whale. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But most people in a modern, like, last five years or more Twitter haven't seen the fail whale ever. Right. And it's because what Twitter really spent a bunch of money on and time on, legitimately, was Building a scalable system. I think they were using Meso, so that doesn't matter. And they they built a set of computer uh, pieces that could be relied on for each other and can also know when they need to have more computers to do their job. Uh And so they can dynamically add more or add less. They can build up more and build less. So in the engineering world, we'd say, like, you know, think about a bridge. If you build a bridge, no one says... Why is it still standing the next day, mm-hmm. right? Computers, more changes in the world. Like things are not as cleanly defined as a bridge, and bridges still have variables, but they do generally do what you want. I, I, I will personally admit I wrote a piece of code in 2013. Mm-hmm. One of the worst pieces of code I've ever written, honestly. It's like one file, hundreds of lines of PowerShell, and it's running the core. Piece of a business today, still, and it will never stop because it's stupid, it's bad, and it works great. Uh (laughs) And there's a lot of things in Twitter that probably are brutally efficient. So I wouldn't expect it to fail suddenly. What I would expect is through the change of the world, the entropy of the world, things start to fail, and people say, "Mm, "It's too hard to keep this running," or "Let's have a simpler version of this," or oh, we'll pretend this is down for a week, but then it turns into two months, and then it turns into forever, and we turn that down. Um, all of those are the ways that things fall apart slowly.
1: Yeah. A bridge without maintenance. Oh. Okay. So it's like if little thing, little parts of the bridge start falling off instead of, like, the you just wake up, and because, like, the bridge manager, like, quit. Exactly. There's still going to be a bridge.
0: Yeah, Arecibo recently, the big telescope in, like, the Contact movie finally collapsed after, like, 20 years of getting no maintenance and no one held it. And everyone was like, well, it's not going to break today. And it's like, yeah, you're right. And then one day, (laughs) the entire thing fell down and, like, destroyed the jungle underneath it Ah. and will never be fixed because the cost is going to be too much to fix it. So, yeah, you can wait and wait until your car breaks down. And it's like, well, if you didn't change oil ever, your engine's going to lock up. And you're going to be a smoking wreck, and you're going to have to buy a new car. Gosh, you sound like my dad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Get your oil changed. Get hey, your um, change. Okay, we'll briefly touch on this because I know my listeners are like not as swifty as I am. Sure. <laughs> but the Taylor Swift Ticketmaster debacle. Oh yeah. So they, from my understanding, Ticketmaster was selling these tickets for Taylor Swift. They oversold or something, and the what something happened with the queue and they were stopping it all and yeah. then all of a sudden everyone's all Taylor Swift broke Ticketmaster. Sure. So can can a website like that just break? And what does that mean? Like what do you mean break Ticketmaster? Like what sure. Yeah, no what that's happened a, there?
0: That's a good question. Um well first of all, yeah, any website can break. Mm-hmm. Um but it really depends on what we mean. And something like Ticketmaster isn't, quote unquote, a single website. Uh-huh. So if, you got, if you're thinking about Taylor Swift, you know she had, I assume, billions upon billions of hits that day because there was tens or hundreds of millions of people trying to buy these tickets. Uh-huh. Um, she was playing to 60,000 person venues only. Like, yeah. if you had less than that, you're not getting a show. Right. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, given multiple shows and uh, tons of zones, like, it adds up to a lot of people caring a lot. Mm-hmm. So this actually is a reference back to earlier in our conversation. When we talked about the distributed denial of service attack.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: When you're when you're literally trying to serve millions of simultaneous people, you are you are expecting what other people would consider an attack. Yeah. You have to design for the attack. And you build a bunch of systems that basically, in, in some cases, it looks like Ticketmaster even built these systems that allow queuing mm-hmm. or allow buffering of that enormous amount of refreshes and all the people like, oh, I want this ticket, I want this ticket. Yeah. Where am I in line? Where am I in line? That question isn't actually something that you uh, ask and get the real answer for every time. Oh. And so, generally, what they do is they build what's called a cache. Not like oh, from your yeah. pocket.
1: C-H-E. Like C-H-E, that. C-H-E, exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, and when you're building and populating a cache, you have a certain type of data structure, like a way of constructing what you have that's very easy to get and very fast to get. And then you usually have the real stuff because you don't want to screw up the money mm-hmm. and the actual tickets. Like, you can't sell more tickets than you have. Right.
1: Or that's a big problem.
0: You have really screwed up. Yeah. Um,
1: people are going to be pissed.
0: People are already pissed and you didn't even yeah. get to that level yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, you managing these two different things, the the cash, which kind of has the easy read fast and the writable section where you like you know you're you're like oh this is the ticket sale here you go here's your receipt here's your receipt are usually separate and you have a nice fat cache and then you know you don't actually have that big of a database running the the writing because mm-hmm. even when you have all these people you can say well here's the queue of tens of thousands of tickets to purchase just trickle them through um, and as long as you know you're not selling more you're not there, there's a couple of ways like you can mess up your your cash invalidation It's a classic problem so that you accidentally like show more than you have or mm. you go to a website and you see someone else's Amazon cart or something like oh, that yeah if you ever had that that's that's literally the programmer making a mistake Uh-oh. and it's a mistake that has, has security implications actually people have seen other people's personal information yeah um, people
1: have had like randomly wake up and they have like a bunch more money in their accounts.
0: That would be a different problem.
1: That'd be a great problem.
0: <laughs> um, I'm just
1: kidding. You'd have to give it back. I well, mean,
0: you not only have to, you're getting big trouble if you don't give it back. Yeah. And if you start spending it, you will find you're going to get sued. And, ha- and Legal not.
1: advice. If you wake up with a bunch of money in your account, don't spend it.
0: Yeah. Definitely seek a lawyer.
1: Tell somebody. If, if it's a
0: lot of money, seek a lawyer.
1: But don't use that money to pay the lawyer. No,
0: don't do that.
1: Don't do that.
0: No. Um. <laughs> So, But back to Ticketmaster, regardless of the technical details, it is their job to sell the tickets, Mm -hmm. and it's Taylor Swift's job to get the people in the door. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. And so anyone claiming that Taylor Swift broke, no. Unless she broke her next album or, you know, what her voice broke during a concert, she doesn't break computers. Right. So... It is up to Ticketmaster to provide the technical implementation for this that actually works. And it's not easy. I, I want to be clear. Like, if you said to me, hey, I want to design a website for millions of simultaneous users, and it's going to be complex, and there's going to be money involved. And I would say, like, we're going to need to spend a lot of money to build that in the first place. Mm-hmm. And my suspicion is, and I don't have any c- confirmation on this. That we're to, alleging. We're alleging this. My Yeah, it's allegedly... Um, but it is my like belief. I don't even have any other other evidence. But it, it's a classic engineering problem, which is you built a system that works pretty well for something not Taylor Swift, mm-hmm. something you know, a normal human being who's only selling a hundred thousand tickets at a time or right. something which like that, which is still a lot, humongous <laughs> amounts, <laughs> yeah. right? And you say, okay, well, we don't have the budget to spend ten million dollars to build this one-off thing, mm-hmm. so. Why don't you just do your best to scale this up? Mm-hmm. And when you start scaling up, you find you have bottlenecks that you didn't realize you had. And so if there is ever a debrief, you know, oftentimes engineers like to post what they call blameless postmortems. Mm-hmm. Where they're like, what went wrong? Yeah. How can we learn from it? And a lot of corporations don't like publishing those because it's, we screwed up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, we all know you screwed up already. Right. Like... But it's
1: kind of cool to be like, and this is how. Because then it's like, if it's maybe, I don't know, Ticket Hub or StubHub or whatever, they could be like, oh, that didn't work, so we shouldn't do that.
0: And I would even say that StubHub and Ticket Hub, they also have their own priorities, their own engineering culture. Like If they're not going to do it, they're not going to do it. It is mostly uh, for yourself, mm. and it's it's part of owning up to your mistakes.
1: Like falling on your sword.
0: Well, and no, the first oh. word is blameless. Oh,
1: yeah. So, oh, okay. Yes,
0: it is important to, like, if, and this is adopted from, like, plane crashes. Oh. If you go out to prosecute everyone who made a mistake, yeah, you might find that their testimony isn't forthcoming right away, and you have to compel it or do this right. work. So, like, the NTSB, they'll actually get all the information. They have no criminal authority. They're not going to prosecute
1: NTSB?
0: Yeah, it's like the National Transport Safety Board. Oh,
1: okay. The airplane people.
0: Airplane people and also they'll trains. do trains. Exactly. Yeah. But, but generally they'll say, like, we want to understand every single part of what happened and reconstruct it so that we can make sure in the future mm-hmm. events like this don't occur. And <clears throat> when you talk about something like Ticketmaster, no one died. Right. Right. And so they're not trying to prevent real problems. They're trying to prevent their personal and reputational damage in the future. Right. So there's probably not as likely to get a, a postmortem out of it, but it would be interesting because I bet you they had something that was fairly fast in the current configuration. And when they scaled it up, they didn't even think about it as a problem. Mm hmm. And then it was. Yeah. Because it, they did not predict and could not, they did not do the right math to think of how popular Taylor Swift is. Right. And the answer is, I'm sorry everyone on the podcast who's not a Swifty, extremely popular. Yeah,
1: extremely popular. Yeah. Which is why I'm like, why don't you people who are listening care about how
0: great <laughs> this woman is?
1: I don't understand.
0: <laughs> well, and the, you know, everyone is Everyone's own, different. Yeah. Know, um, I'm not a huge Swifty myself, but I appreciate her. She's a great artist. She's worked really hard and I I get irritated when someone blames the victim.
1: Right. I mean, right, exactly. Yeah. Victim blaming is
0: not good. pointless. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's really stupid. Um I know we didn't really prepare for this topic, but I do have a question and tell me if this is too broad.
0: Okay. But
1: the cloud. Okay. It's like when people are like, "Oh yeah, it's in the cloud." Yeah. Um where is the cloud? Sure. And who is supervising the cloud? Yeah. And is it all one cloud that we're renting from?
0: Good questions. Thank you. Yeah, um so there's an old joke among computer people which is the cloud is someone else's computer. Okay. And the way to think of it is and, and this has happened many times in computing. There's always a kind of a trade-off between centralization and decentralization. Okay. In centralization, you get a lot of benefits, like all the stuff is in one place, mm-hmm. and therefore you can like do high-performance stuff, but you have to go to that place mm-hmm. to use it. And so, when computers like became a modern accessory, they started off as room-size or building-size machines. Wow. Yeah, like, you know, my grandfather had a computer and it took up most of his, uh, like, apartment building that he had it in. Um, That's funny. It it is crazy. I bet that was
1: expensive to Uh, electricity bill-wise.
0: Oh, absolutely. If you didn't have a reason to have one, you would know,
1: Right, why would you have one?
0: Yeah, and in fact, most of the computers were not bought, but they were leased. Mm. Because the computer companies were trying to show the value, and they were so expensive, they were like, I could not afford that ever. right. So uh, that kind of created what they called the mainframe, and that was these big computers in, like, a data center, which is pretty much just a warehouse for computers that's temperature controlled, and all of your mainframes would be there, and you'd, like, either teletype in pretty much like an early networking internet type thing, you know, type your commands, and then the mainframes would run it on a schedule usually in a shared system. And the PC revolution, what you're using today, basically, or what you understand today as a computer was people saying, that's great, centralization's fun, but computers are now being fast enough that I can bring this to my house. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to be able to do that to play video games or do other stuff. Type
1: something cool.
0: Type something cool that isn't connecting to a remote network to do this big amount of work. Yeah. And so, boom, we all of a sudden uh, sudden have uh, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates Mm and, you know, those billionaires um, because of the decentralization. Well, the cloud Mm -hmm. is going back.
1: Okay. To centralization. To
0: centralization. And so what happened was computers are still really fast, but businesses had trouble because they would have to buy a bunch of computers ahead of time to do stuff that they wanted to do. And that's, in accounting terms, considered a capital expenditure. Okay. Which is like, hey, I want to buy that. You write it off after a year and it You just write it off. You just write it off. No one pays for it. but that meant that you'd have to plan years ahead, mm-hmm. and so Amazon really started the, uh, the. They weren't the first like cloud host or the first remote computer you could rent, but they realized that they could set up a data center and rent the workout. And instead of just letting you have a computer, they would build a service. Mm-hmm. And so, like the most popular Amazon service is called S3. Mm -hmm. and it's a thing that you can save files to. It's a blob storage service, it's called. You can save and get files out of it. Like Google Drive? Like Google Drive. Uh But imagine it had infinite space, and you only paid for what you used. Oh, cool. And it, it never lost data. It's not never, but it's effectively never. Yeah. And so businesses used to buy a bunch of storage and put stuff there, but they're like, well, I don't have to buy all this ahead of time. I can just pay you right now for what I use, and I can make money off that, and so... That's no longer capital expenditure. That is an operating expenditure. Yeah. And you can change your accounting. looks a lot better to the accountants. Ooh. And uh, Amazon kind of pioneered selling these services to people instead of selling the actual computers themselves. Hmm. So you can still rent them. And then, you know, Microsoft and Google and many other cloud providers exist. But they're really just saying, we have a central warehouse... It's not even necessarily our warehouse. We just have some components in it and we'll sell you a generic usage fee so that you can get away from buying it all up front. Mm. And that flexibility, like you could turn it off tomorrow because you fired all those people, Elon Musk, and not pay for that anymore instead of fire all those people and still have four years of money.
1: So what if like my Apple cloud, you know, like my iCloud, like what if Apple was like, actually, we're just not going to pay for that anymore. Like... Is all my shit in the cloud gone?
0: Um, technically, yes. Wow, that so, sucks. Yes. And so
1: that's why hard drives are important to back it up?
0: Yes. I okay. would say that um, you're talking about basically who owns what when. And if you look at the cloud stuff, you'll find that you own nothing. Oh, my God. You are leasing the capability. Right. Right. And so you will generally own the copyright of the stuff that you write that works in it, unless you have some very interesting legal terms. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean you have the right to continuous usage of their product. Mm. And so in some cases you can buy um, pre allo like you can say, I'll buy a year ahead of time or three years ahead of time. But fundamentally, if Microsoft says no, they can always give back your money. Right, like they are not—they're not, not going to necessarily keep a unprofitable product up. And there's many parts of their services that they have turned off over time. Right, they don't do it like that. Like, right,
1: they're like, okay, we're moving over. Like you'll find us on this icon exactly. now.
0: Exactly. Reroute,
1: redirect. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Usually, give you a year or two. It's a while. It. But it, some
1: people need it because God, what if you were in a coma and then you woke up and you're like, I'm sorry, what? Google what? Drive went where?
0: Well, and it's it's not so much about people in comas. Well, it's about the fact that it might take you a year to build out your capability on the new right. platform. I guess that makes
1: more sense.
0: Yeah, and it can actually be pretty brutal. It could cost you a lot of money. <laughs>
1: that's not
0: funny. It's Well, it, it is funny. You know, Not our money. Not our money. <laughs> um, so that's what is the cloud. Um, Oops. What was the other questions about the cloud?
1: Um. God, I had so many questions about the cloud. Uh, that is, what is the cloud? The other one is, well, I guess I could just make a question up. Like, sure. you know how they have like celebrities nudes that they leak from the cloud? Sure. Um, I guess one of my questions is how did how do they do that if like everybody's phone is in their own location and everyone's phone has like millions of pictures in it? Sure. Like, how did they be like, oh, this is Jennifer Lawrence's butt. I'm going to post it. Like, how the fuck?
0: Yeah. So, um, I think, you know, the the big, like, last one I heard about was they weren't certain. They, they hadn't, like, done attribution 100%. Mm-hmm. But the general question can kind of be answered. And I think there's plenty of people who had some intuitions that are probably correct. And that is... When you upload something to someone else's computer,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you do not necessarily have an expectation of privacy. Right. And so, in fact, there's like a bunch of legal rulings that say if you give your data to third parties, you have no expectation right. of he privacy. Right, you gave it away. Uh, even though you did it so that they could hold it securely for right. you in a private manner. So, anyway, I'm not a legal authority. That's for other people on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it it's probably because they do not have this data encrypted at rest. Oh. And that means that when it's not being accessed by the user, that no one can get at it without the key that only the user has. Oh. So it's actually more expensive and more difficult Excuse me, to implement encryption properly. And so most people say they do mm-hmm. or try,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but don't, or have a loophole to let people like, Oh, I lost access to my phone. Can you grab my photos for me? Oh. Exactly. Emergency exit hatches, basically. And all of these are ways that people who are nefarious mm-hmm. get access to personal data that's not theirs. Yeah. Um, and honestly, in the last one, it was like 2016, like Jennifer Lawrence butt or whatever. Most people thought that that was actually because they were using SMS messaging. Oh. And so if you use iMessage or the, the, I don't know what the iPhone uses right now, but um, there's two different ways it can communicate. One is securely uh-huh. with other iPhones using the like messaging protocol. The other way, and it'll do this transparently, is it can send text messages. And so if your, your friend doesn't have an iPhone, it'll switch, it'll send them a text message. And text messages are the worst way to send your nudes, oh. do not send people MMSs of your butt. Don't do that. If you need to do that, sign up for Signal. It's free. Yeah, I'm not endor- I'm not endorsed by Signal, but it is the probably only way that you can be certain that your butt isn't seen by someone else. That Jennifer you don't to. Lawrence, get on <laughs> yes. Signal. Signal protect would be- your butt. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and that's because it has end-to-end encryption. Okay. So if you called someone at Signal and said, "Can you recover my messages?" They would laugh and hang up the phone. If you lose your phone and you don't have that synced to something else, they're gone forever. Right. That sucks, but that's kind of a feature of end-to-end encryption is, well, how would we stop someone else from stealing it then? And that's like the core question. Mm -hmm. If you have an emergency exit, how do we stop someone else from using
1: that? Right. So signal is like the best way to be talking privately.
0: Yes. Now, if someone has your phone... And opens it up and goes to this your app. Like, right. again, encryption only works when we're talking about other people's devices. Right. So in terms of Jennifer Lawrence's butt, what we believe, or a lot of people in the security community believe, is that she's texting this to someone. And someone on the phone provider level uh. looks at the text message logs... And pulls the pictures directly out of there.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: And that is, uh, well, something that Edward Snowden talked about that our government is actively doing is logging every single text message. So the fact that we have some information leaks on high profile, you know, naked people where probably someone was like, oh, look at all the reputational gain I get from having the secret access Yeah, um, is not surprising. Like soldiers still post pictures of secret sites that they shouldn't accidentally on their social media like people are stupid
1: right people just right yeah they are
0: stupid yeah
1: also that these people are a jury of your peers by the way i say it as much as i can but it's like do not do a crime that will get you in a jury trial because if you look around at all these fucking imbeciles that you're walking around next to they're the people who are gonna be like yeah heather did that
0: yeah Mouth breathers all.
1: All the mouth breathers. They all chew with their mouth open. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So don't do any crimes.
0: Yeah. That's a good advice.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So thank you so much, by the way, for sharing all your wisdom with us. It was really nice to have you here.
0: I appreciate um, the questions. Yeah. It was fun to hang out.
1: Thank you. Um, before we wrap up, we... Me here at Allegedly Bravo, we do our criminal behaviors. Oh, yeah. Um, And so that's just, like, your everyday pet peeves, like, the things that just, like, absolutely should be criminalized and fucking aren't, but should be. Okay. Um, I can go first, if you want. Please. Okay, so my criminal behavior this week is, it's always, like, a short man, sorry to short men everywhere, but it's always a short man who goes... Yeah, it's all about the optics.
0: <laughs> and
1: I can't. Like, I can't with the optics. What the fuck is that? Yeah. Is that like Joe Rogan shit? Like, what is the optics? Like, and why is it making a resurgence? I fucking hate it.
0: It is a resurgence for sure. Because, it used, like, I heard in the 90s yeah, were talking about the optics. And it's like a marketing term almost of like, oh, how, do, how are we perceived... But let's boil it down to bro talk.
1: Bro talk, right. It's yeah. like I overheard this guy talking about um, what they would charge for whatever job they were doing. And and the guy goes, yeah, I mean, you've got me. You've got you. You've got Bob. <laughs> the optics are there. I mean, I think we could really charge for this thing. And I'm just like, what? Like, <laughs> ugh. <laughs> yeah. The optics aren't there. You look like a fool.
0: Yeah. Um well I guess my criminal behavior I'll go in vain with our topic today, which is just people tweeting about how much they like Elon Musk.
1: Yeah, what is that?
0: I don't understand how the bootlickers have come out <laughs> of the woodwork, honestly, but I just don't get it and um you need to check yourself.
1: Check chid it, chida, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Please. That's my rap for the day. <laughs> That's <a> good wrap. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you so much for being here. Everybody who's listening, where can they find you um, if you want anyone to follow you? Do you have any place for people to follow you?
0: Uh, no, okay. I, I really don't. I mean, I'm on Twitter, unfortunately, if you want to figure out who I am. But um, I have my you know website, which has nothing your audience cares about on it.
1: Will remain private.
0: Um, well, it's if you Google me Constantine Kokonos, it's the same URL as my website. But I doubt you want to learn more about databases <laughs> or PowerShell or other things. So I appreciate the shout out. Uh, you all are lovely people.
1: Thank you. Um, go ahead and follow us on Instagram at allegedlybravo and check out some of our merch at AllegedlyBravo.com dot com slash merch and sign up for our Patreon. Thank you so much for being here, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Allegedly Bravo podcast is hosted, produced, and researched by Lauren Peavy House. Allegedly Bravo is available anywhere you listen to podcasts and cannot be copied or rebroadcast without consent. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps me out. This podcast is made available by the lawyer or legal expert for educational purposes only, as well as to give you general information and a general understanding of the law, not to provide specific legal advice. By listening to this podcast, you understand that there is no attorney-client relationship between you and the podcast publisher. Allegedly Bravo podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice from a licensed professional attorney, in your state. Got it?